0: you get a line, I'll get a pole. We'll go down to the crawdad hole, sugar baby mine. Oh, hey you guys, how you doing today? I figured if we couldn't meet together, I might as well just go fishing. I was never really much for crawdad fishing, but man, I sure love to fish for some sand bass, black bass, or maybe some crappie, or maybe for you East Coast folks, crappie. Uh, Interestingly enough, most of Uh, Jesus' ministry was confined to this very small area right around the Sea of Galilee. We would call it a lake. And because His ministry was around this lake, it's really no surprise that Jesus used two industries, farming and fishing, to teach most of His lessons. The people that He was dealing with were very familiar with fishing and farming. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, there are at least, uh, I could count, five different occasions involving fish that are recorded in the Gospels. There are the accounts that Jesus multiplied fish and loaves. He did that twice. Uh, He sent his disciples one time to the lake to get a coin out of a fish's mouth. And of course, then there are the two accounts, one in Luke chapter five and one in John chapter 21, where Jesus instructs his disciples to cast their nets again after they had caught nothing. In fact, uh, in that account recorded in John chapter 21, Uh, The disciples had been fishing all night and Jesus hollers from the shore and he asked them for a fishing report. Uh, The disciples report that they had struck out, I mean zilch, nada, all night long. Since this was after Jesus' resurrection and the disciples had not yet realized it was Jesus asking the question, I bet one of the disciples even sarcastically shouted back, that's why they call it fishing and not catching. Jesus responds, and he tells the disciples to cast the net on the right side of the boat, and they would find fish there. The disciples obeyed, and sure enough, the text says they were not able to haul the huge catch in. Jesus was and is the ultimate fish finder. He simply had this ability to know where to look. Notice that simply by putting the net in the right water, the disciples caught their limit. Have you ever been fishing in a boat and the person in the front who is using the same bait that you're using seems to catch all the fish? I've had that happen. It's frustrating because you're in the same pond, in the same lake, you're very close together, but it's different water. Their area of the water is where the fish are located. So when Jesus arrives on the scene, he is born into a very religious society. Everything in Israel was controlled by the religious folks and to some extent that is still true there today. They set all the rules on when you could work and when you couldn't. They dictated who was good and who was considered bad. They even collected taxes. So everywhere Jesus was, there were religious people. So Jesus makes a declaration about the kind of fish that he's gonna go after. He makes this declaration in Mark chapter 2, verse 17. He's talking to religious leaders of the law Uh, And they're upset because his disciples are hanging out with people they don't approve of. And Jesus knows it. And he says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. The legalism and the hatefulness of the religious folks were driving people away from God. But Jesus's love and compassion was producing a catch in the same water in which the religious leaders were striking out. Our fishing environment is much like Jesus's day. We're surrounded by churches everywhere and we're enveloped by folks who know about Jesus. We even live in a Christian nation. But our mission from Jesus is the same mission he had, to catch fish. In fact, Jesus told us that he would empower us to become fishers of men. But in order to fulfill our mission, like Jesus, we must learn to fish in the right water. Like Jesus, We must be able to fish in the vicinity of others who drive people away from God, and we must still be able to catch fish. To do that, we must go after the same fish that Jesus did. We must examine our fishing hole and spot the sick, broken, afraid, hurt, passed over fish that no one else wants and reel them in. I thought I might give you a couple fishing tips that might just help you catch some fish. Number one, we must go fishing again. Some of us are a lot like the disciples in the first account, uh, which is found in Luke chapter five. The Bible says they were putting up their nets after a long night of fishing and catching nothing. They were tired of fishing, but Jesus tells them to put the boat back out. And after using the boat as a platform to preach, he instructs them to cast their nets once again and surprise, they catch fish. Here's the truth. You can't catch fish if your line isn't in the water. You may have tried to fish in the past and come up empty handed. You may have done all you know to do and just kind of come to this place where you're tired of fishing. But we need to remember that evangelism is not optional. It It isn't even the cool thing to do. It is the only thing to do. I'm always amazed by the number of Christians who will debate the word, but will not share the word. Too many of us aren't catching any fish because we've quit fishing. We have shelved our nets. We have let empty trips cause us to retire from fishing fishing altogether. But I wanna remind you, fishing is not up to the fish. It's up to the fishermen. For too many of us, our idea of fishing is to put all the exertion or effort on the fish. If they're ambitious, then we'll catch them. They'll come to us or they'll find us. And if they're not ambitious, just let them go about their own business. But that's not how it works. I want to remind you that the lost aren't commanded to go to the church. The church is commanded to go to the lost. We've got to get our line back in the water. Number two, I think it's really important for us to quit fishing in the aquarium. In other words, we need to quit trying to catch fish that have already been caught. We don't need people to just move from one tank or church to another. We must go after the folks who are far from God and aren't in the tank yet caught fish don't need to be caught again. We weren't commanded to steal fish or trade fish. We We were commanded to catch fish. The truth is, the kind of fish we are commanded to catch won't be in churches. They will be downcast, broken, and hurting people that churches don't typically want. In John chapter 21, the disciples caught fish when they threw their nets on the right side of the boat. Now I recognize that the writer isn't saying right as in correct. It was literally the right side of the boat as opposed to the left side of the boat. However, I I often wonder how many of us miss the opportunity to catch fish because we simply ignore the right water all around us. We must learn to assess the water. Could it be that the job that we hate or dread or maybe loathe or want to leave was actually given to us by God, not for work, but for water. Maybe that job is the right water in which we have been sent to be effective fishermen. Maybe it's that water that other people refuse to fish in. Could it be the school we're in or the neighborhood that we've tried to unsuccessfully unsuccessfully move out of that could be our assigned and potentially receptive fishing hole? Maybe we keep missing opportunities to catch simply because we fail to throw our bait in the right water. Got a question for you. Who do you know who is broke, overlooked, sick, depressed, hopeless, burdened, or maybe just rejected by others? That's the right water. Fish that water. Throw those fish hope. Throw those fish healing and love and you may just find yourself with a catch so large that you can't handle it all by yourself. Then you can invite the other fishermen you know to come and help you land the harvest. I wanna pray for you today. I wanna pray that uh, you will be the most effective fisherman that God can possibly have and that you will begin to see a great harvest. Let's pray. Father, I wanna thank you for the uh, partnership that you allow us to have with you in this great harvest. I just pray that you would help us as fishermen to go back and put our line in the water again. I pray that you would help us to be able to be like your son Jesus that could identify the right water and that that could catch fish when nobody else seemed to be able to. I pray that you help us to quit looking in the aquarium, help us to begin to look outside the four walls of the church and find people that are hopeless and broken and hurt and draw them towards you. I pray that you'd help us to be extremely effective in our efforts to win people into your kingdom. Help us as fishermen to catch men and women and boys and girls that you've put in our path. If we've been complaining about the water or overlooking the water or missing opportunities, I just pray that you'd help us to see the water as the right water and we would catch fish once again. We give you glory for all that you're going to do in in and through us during this really critical time in our history. As people are looking for hope, I pray that you'd help us to be the one that gives it to them. In Jesus' name, amen. So I just want to encourage you, get your line in the water. Wait a minute, let me restate that. Get your line in the right water. I promise if you do, then you'll start catching fish today. Thanks for being with me. I'm going to go back to fishing. I want you guys to go back to fishing too. fishy, fishy, fishy. Here, fishy, 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 fishy. Man, it's so frustrating to know you're fishing in the right water, but you still can't seem to catch any fish. The water's important. We talked about that last week. You need to be at the right water. But there's another essential factor that determines whether or not you catch anything when you're fishing. We must make sure that we're using the right bait. I'm reminded that when Jesus called his professional fishermen, disciples, to follow him, that he did so by saying this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19 Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I started thinking about that, and I realized that in this invitation, he's also addressing the bait. He makes it clear that they will be the bait, they will be the ones catching the fish. People will be won or lost based on their ability to deliver the good news effectively. I started thinking about that in relationship to the fishing industry today and the bait that is currently available. There are basically three categories of bait, live, artificial, and stink. I love to use artificial bait and think that there's some correlations between the kind of bait and our mission to fish for people for Jesus. Number one, the right bait mimics or looks like the real thing. Take this minnow for example, this little crankbait. It looks and acts like the real thing. When you think about it, the thing that drew people's attention to the disciples was that they said that the disciples, uh, they could tell that they had been with Jesus. In fact, Paul came to this place where he could say, follow me as I follow Christ. That means that Paul was living his life so much like Jesus that if people followed him, they would get to him. If we're going to be effective, then the bait of our life must mimic or look like Jesus. Can anyone tell you've been with him? Can people pattern their life, their attitude, their conversation after you and end up at him? When the first church was established, people in society began to call the followers of Christ Christians. They called them this to demean them and belittle them. The word actually means little Christ. But the believers begin to wear this name as a badge of honor. It was like saying, I'm so much like Jesus that I look like a little Jesus. I wonder how many of us who wear that badge are as much like Jesus as we can be. We will be more apt to catch someone for Jesus if we look more like Jesus. We must learn to represent or represent him so well that people want to follow our lead and wind up at him. Number two, the right bait is natural, but different. The best baits on the market look natural. Like this plastic worm, it actually looks like a real worm. The crankbaits look like crawfish or minnows swimming through the water. They look very natural, but they are different. What is different about them is they have a hook. I'm convinced that most, that, that the most effective fishers have been are the nat- those that are natural, but different. I think this is what Jesus meant when he said, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We are natural, but we're not freaks. We aren't weirdos. We don't glow in the dark. We don't walk around in some stupor or trance. We don't talk in old English to make ourselves sound holy. However, we are different. We have a hook. Natural people that other people want to be with and be around, but when they're around us, they discover that we are different. So here's the question. What is different about you? What is different about me? When you pull it all down, that's the most important question. I believe there is a long list of of differences that we could point out, but perhaps there are really only three main ways that we really need to be different. The first difference is that Jesus said our love for each other would make it possible for people to recognize us as different. I challenge you to ask yourself this question. Does my love for my fellow believers and for mankind in general set me apart? Does the way I interact with people on social media, how I empathize with people in distress, how I react to Christ for help, how I respond to someone who does me wrong, does any of that make me any different than the fish I'm trying to catch? Am I just natural or am I natural and different? The second difference is power. When Jesus sent his disciples out to fish in Matthew chapter 10 and in Luke chapter 10, he told them that they would have authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease. In fact, in Luke chapter 10, scripture says that Jesus sent his disciples with power into the towns that he intended to go to. In other words, the disciples by exhibiting this power would prepare the people for Jesus. If there was ever a time in our lives where we must walk in authority and power, then it's right now. The people we interact with daily right now are sick with fear, panic, dread, uncertainty, and they're stressed out. If we would just walk in in authority and heal their disease, then don't you think we would have a better chance to catch them for Jesus? We must be natural, but different. Our hook is that when they bump into us or talk to us, They find the greater is he that is in us power that speaks to their situation. Listen, powerless believers are powerless to catch fish. The third difference is purpose. When Jesus called the disciples, they lived on purpose. Their task was clear. They knew what they were about. I wonder how many of us know our purpose. Are we distracted by life and things and all this other stuff? And the result is is that we miss opportunities that walk right past us. To catch fish we have been assigned to catch, we must be different. We must live on purpose. We must know our calling. We are natural but different in that while others are still trying to find themselves and their purpose, we are very clear on why we are here. Let me remind you why you were caught. Jesus selected you for the sole purpose of catching other fish. All the other stuff, jobs, cars, sports, money, food, are all secondary and should not be our focus. Like Jesus, we should be able to say, my food is to do my Father's will. In other words, when I am fulfilling my purpose, I am fulfilled. We must be clear on our purpose if we are going to be natural but different. So, are you supposed to be an electrician, a politician, A doctor, a lawyer, a handyman, a nurse, maybe a salesman? Well, your occupation may contribute or accentuate your purpose, but your job isn't your real purpose. Your purpose and my purpose at its core is to be fishermen. Everything else is secondary. Third, the right bait is attractive. The best bait is bright and colorful. It's attractive to fish. Just to be clear, I'm not talking about looks or beauty, and man, am I thankful for that. The truth is Jesus would not have fit into the glamour magazine or Hollywood crowd. Scripture tells us that there was nothing beautiful about him and yet he attracted people. I believe that's what Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23 when he said, now even though I am free from obligation to others, I joyfully make myself a servant to all in order to win as many converts as possible. I became Jewish to the Jewish people in order to win them to the Messiah. I became like one under the law to gain the people who were stuck under the law, even though I myself am not under the law. And to those who are without the Jewish laws, I became like them as one without the Jewish laws in order to win them. Although I'm not outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, I became weak to the weak to win the weak. I have adapted to the culture of every place I've gone so that I could more easily win people to Christ. I've done all this so I would become God's partner for the sake of the gospel. Notice, he said he became all things to all men. Then he says he adapted to the culture. Mind you, he doesn't say he adopted the culture, but he did have this ability to adapt to the culture so that he would attract people to Jesus. Are you attracting anyone to Jesus? Does your life pull people towards Jesus or does your life repel them from finding Jesus? We must live an attractive life that causes people to want who we have. So let me ask you one final question Are you catching anyone? If not, then maybe it's time to check your bait. But remember, you are the bait. You must mimic him. You must be natural but different. You must be attractive. Surely you're not fishing with stink bait, are you? The disciples in the early church showed us how this works. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, it says, They enjoyed the favor of all the people. That means they were attractive. And then it says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In other words, they taught us that if we will use the right bait, then we will catch the right fish. I want to pray for you and ask the Lord to help us in this season to be the most effective fishermen that we can possibly be by using the right bait. Father, we come to you and we thank you for the fact that you allow us to partner with you in winning people into the kingdom. So I ask you to help us as followers of Christ to so live our lives that our life becomes the right kind of bait to catch people I pray that we would mimic your son so that people see us but they also see him I pray that in this chaotic season and uh, this crazy time we find ourselves living in that we would walk in authority and power so that we could heal people from their panic and their their stress and their diseases I pray that you would help us to be attractive to people that our lives would arouse their interest, so they would want to know who we follow. I pray that we would live our lives so that our life would be the right bait to catch the right fish. We give you glory for making us the most effective fishermen for your kingdom's sake in Jesus' name. Well, it's time to go back to fishing. the last couple weeks we've been talking about the fact that we're supposed to be fishers of men And uh, most of the fishermen I know, they have this tendency that what they do is they tell stories about what they've caught. And it starts about this big and then it ends up this big. Uh, But I started thinking about in the New Testament, the disciples had some incredible fish stories. The difference is they never had to exaggerate. The stories were so big, they never had to exaggerate. And I think we have stories that we don't have to exaggerate either that are meaningful to not only us, but to the people that we come into contact with. And I think we have a response responsibility to tell our fish stories. So today that's what we're going to do. I want you to hear some of the fish stories from some of our people because I think they'll minister to you. So let's start like this. Ashley, I know your story and you have a great story and I think you ought to share your fish story with the people watching today.
2: Um, so it was 2013 to 2016. Um, I was running from God profusely. I mean I just Professionally, running from him. Um, I was living with my boyfriend at the time, drinking, partying, doing drugs, having sex. I mean, all of the things. Um, and there was a point in time where I just stopped going to church. And for me, I'd been going to church since to Passion Church specifically since I was 13. Um, so everybody knew who I was. Everybody was in kind of. And we you
0: were gone. Yes, <laughs> yes, you
2: did. Um, and so. I stopped going to church, was living with my boyfriend, um, which then in turn I ran away from my parents, stopped talking to them. I just completely cut off everyone. Um, that's exactly where the devil wanted me. He wanted mm-hmm. me completely isolated and I allowed him to get me there. Yep. Um, and so I stayed there for a while and about six months before 2016, um, my mom and I started to heal our relationship. It was just that typical like mom and daughter relationship, but it was just a little bit more toxic than others. And so we, started to work through those things. And then um, the beginning of 2016, she was tragically killed in a car accident. Um, and so that shook my entire world. Um, and at the time I felt completely alone and isolated, but it was really cool because the night that my mom was transitioning, um, 70 people from the church showed mm-hmm. up to that ICU waiting room. That was a long room. night. It was a very long night. Um, and that just showed me right then and there that I had community, even though I had pushed everyone away. Um, and after that I continued to fight my way through, um, individual battles that I was fighting. Um, and I ended up getting pregnant, um, that following year, um, with my first son. And that was, Um, a really big game changer for me took some time to really figure out what I needed to do with my life Um, and through being pregnant um, my husband and I got married um, found ourselves closer to the Lord than we ever were and now we're even better Um, and we still go to Passion Church um, and we definitely believe that community is everything for us and if it weren't for those people specifically um, I don't know where I would be um, the ones who messaged me and told me you need to be here when you notice that you're gone even though I ignored them they were still there when I came back to church so
0: so praying praying mom praying church folks that yep. wouldn't give up on you even though they knew what you were going through and the choices you were making they just mm-hmm. wouldn't let you go
3: absolutely
0: so they uh, they played your mom and your dad and other people, but also your church family played a huge part in making sure that you didn't get away. You yes. were on the hook. You were trying to get away, <laughs> yes, but we I wouldn't was. let you get away. Yeah. So I, I think it's really, that's part of the fishing process is people that care have to keep reaching out and mm-hmm. keep holding on. Absolutely. And we love you a lot and we're glad you've come through it. And uh, scripture says you come out, you can find like, uh, out of the fire like gold. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're seeing now. Okay. So we're proud of you. Thank so, you. Love you guys. Love you too.
4: With the head of my enemy, you come back and you call it my victory. And all I did was pray. And all I did.
0: Thanks for sharing, Ashley, and like I said, we all have stories. Aaron, I know you have a story, it's uh, it's your fish story, I know it, I know it impacts your life but it also impacts everybody that knows it. Tell us what God has done through your life and, and how He's restored you out of so much.
3: Yeah, uh, 10 years ago this summer was when all the consequences of my actions started to hit and the dominoes started to fall and uh, years of selfish behavior and decision making was just finally just caught up to me and um, the first big one was that I lost the job that I had right out of college and that messed with my head I couldn't keep one after that. I was messed up and my self-esteem was shot, confidence wasn't there Um, and because that happened more bad decisions started to develop and I pushed you know uh, more people out of my life and I ended up going through a divorce uh, and I pushed my family away. You know, I found myself in an empty apartment on a Saturday night in January of 2012 and God was saying, hey man, you're not making it to 30, you can keep doing this. And um, I said, all right, I'm I'm in, I need a change. You're right, and I'm tired of doing it by myself. I need your help, man, I can't do this. And just like that, he said, all right, let's go. And within 24 hours, I was on a walk with two of my best friends telling me, all right, I'm here. And I'm like, man, this is great. God is providing people in my life. And as I went on and, and started making better decisions, God started restoring things in my life. I didn't real, realize how my actions had affected other people until I was in my mom's house and looking through uh, some journals that my sister had left out. And I saw that she had been praying for me this whole time. Wow. And she had yeah. said, God, please help my brother. And that broke me as a big brother, like, man, my actions hurt so many people. Mm-hmm. And God really brought me out on the other side and started providing things for me that I thought were gone. Um, jobs that, that I'm in now and careers and companies that I've been able to start that, I, I, you know, 10 years ago, that's never happened. That's yeah. never going to happen a beautiful wife and an amazing daughter that I have and you know those things that I kept saying God you gotta you know when is this happening he kept saying hold on I got you and then a church family that never gave up on me you know the day I made my decision two days later I'm at a worship practice with you guys and a week later I'm in Sunday Sunday church with you guys and it was just great you know selfish behaviors led me to you know lose a lot and God said hey you're not done and he put me back on the path and had me looking forward and I owe everything that I have right now to, to our church and to the people that you know God sent to help
0: me out yeah, you know I've heard the statement that sin takes us uh, further than we want to go keeps us longer than we want to stay costs more than we want to pay all that but nobody ever follows that up on the but on the backside that the backside of it is is that's true but God's faithful and He restores and what He did for Job in the Old Testament, He'll do for us if we turn back to Him and so I'm glad to hear that God's restored so much. See you front row seat on Ashley's story and Aaron's story. We, we watched you walk through everything and saw what God's brought you from. Jess, I know you have a story. The difference is, for us anyway, you were kind of on the back end of what God had brought you through and we got to see a lot of the finished product. Why don't you tell those that may not know some of the, the front end before we saw where you are today, uh, youth pastor's wife and in the ministry, but you have a story prior to that, that uh, is powerful. So why don't you share your story with us as well?
5: Yeah. So I always knew that God had called me to ministry and I was so not convinced that he really <laughs> understood like the kind of person that I was and that he really wanted me in ministry. But Um, I started um, just abusing substances right out of high school and um, I was, you know, using drugs and occasionally drinking alcohol and um, my parents found out about everything because the truth always comes out and they, after lots of hard conversations and sleepless nights, basically said either, you know, you stay in our house and honor us and God with your lifestyle or you can choose to be on your own. And that's what I chose. I left home at 18 and didn't know anything about life. Um, I started working, you know, all the time and occasionally drinking turned into every weekend and that turned into every day. And um, I don't remember a lot of that time of my life, but I do remember that there were so many times I would walk into a party or go, you know, to grab my drink and my dad would text me and tell me that the Holy Spirit woke him up and that he was praying for me. And that ruined my night. I didn't want to party anymore. Um, but that was just whenever I first realized that like God was chasing me, you know, like relentlessly for so long, even when I was running with all my strength away from him, yeah. you know, and I didn't, I didn't want him to
0: chase me but but the key there i think is that your dad was sensitive enough to keep throwing the lure to keep fishing yeah. even when you were rejecting to keep fishing and it his yeah. timing if the timing was important
5: yes you know? and they always told me that i had a place to come back to and that they loved me and they were still praying for me and so um there was one night in particular where my roommate wasn't home she was out of town and i was there alone and i felt this heaviness in my house that i'd never felt in my parents house and it never made sense to me you know until i realized it was because Jesus wasn't in my house because I didn't want him in. And so that same night, there was a house two miles down the road from mine that exploded from a gas leak. And it, I mean, rattled my windows, literally, but also inside of me. And I left and stayed the night with my parents that night. And from that moment on, that was when the journey back to Jesus started for me. And um, within two weeks, I was living back in their house and told them this is where I'll stay until I'm married. And that's exactly what I did. And now we're here and we've got...
0: Yeah. You know,
5: this ministry that I tried to run from for so long. and
0: yeah, found some tall, dark,
5: yeah. and,
0: and, and I guess handsome dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think Drew's turning red. I don't know what going on, Drew. It's sunburn. But that was part of the journey, too, is that uh, you? Drew was an answer to prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard you talk about that, that he was the, part of the answer to prayer and what you were looking for. And so we're, we're seeing the back end of it now and seeing full circle what God intended all along, and it's a really cool thing to get to see the journey. The moment,
4: over me, you have been so, so big.
0: those stories. Now we're going to go a little bit different angle. Uh, Madeline, I want you to share with us. I know you've spent a lot of time uh, fishing. Fishing for men. Fishing for women. Uh, trying to win people to the Lord. Uh, tell us a story your story about uh, one of those times when you've tried that. You've tried to live out what Jesus tells us to do. Tell us what that's like and how that works and maybe the end story as well. Maybe we won't know the end story. Tell us, Tell us your story.
6: Yeah. One of the experiences that I was reminded of having uh, during this series was one where actually my sister and I were on an airplane headed to Costa Rica for a mission trip. And to be honest, whenever I get on an airplane, I like to have a long time. <laughs> and there was an empty seat right next to me, but right as they were about to close the doors, this man comes running to that seat and sits down like huffing and puffin. But I think he was so excited and relieved that he made it onto the flight that he wanted to talk to somebody about it. So he like (laughs) turns to me and starts talking and I just knew like, okay, this is a conversation that I need to let happen. And um, he ended up sharing a lot about himself and even his beliefs. So my eyes began to open wide and my my, uh, mind started racing. And he said that he was Hindu which means for people who are Hindu that they believe in a lot of gods, they worship a lot of gods, they even accept Jesus, but he's just added to the list. And so I immediately felt a strong burden for him. I wanted him to know the truth that he is, uh, that Jesus is the one true God, (laughs) that he's the only way to the Father, the only way to eternal life. So I remember praying God in my head, God, please like open the door, give me an opportunity if you want me to say that. And just a few minutes go by. I have my iPad open to a devotional that I was studying, getting ready to share that night with our missions trip team. And at the top, it just said Moses. So he, being a little bit nosy, <laughs> said to me, uh, You believe in Moses? And I was like, Actually, yes, he was a real man who lived on the earth. And so that opened the door. I knew that this could go somewhere. And so. But, the best effort I could give it I just began sharing stories from the Old Testament leading to the New Testament and about Jesus and how God is the one true God and this God of Abraham and Moses and the one who sent his son Jesus he's it and he's enough you know and so I would love to say that I let him in the sinner's prayer in that moment and that I got to see a total conversion take place but that didn't happen the conversation actually ended up going on a lot of rabbit trails Uh, but I know I felt in my heart and when I prayed for him that the Lord's revealed that I was a part of that journey, yeah. a part of his journey towards Christ, because God always reveals himself to those who seek him. Right. And this man was seeking him. And so he assigned our seats that day on the airplane so that he could reveal more of himself to this man. And so I was just really honored to be a part of that.
0: That's, that reminds me of what we talked about early in the series. Uh, I think maybe the disciples answered uh, the resurrected Jesus, when he said, hey, if you caught anything? I think they sarcastically said, that's why we call it fishing and not catching. Uh, our responsibility is to fish. It's the Holy Spirit's responsibility right. to catch, you know. Yeah. So I think it's really important that we recognize now that we've been caught, we have this mandate on our lives to fish. We're not responsible to, to we, we do all we can do. We present right. the bait. We live our life in such an attractive way that they want what we have. But it's God's responsibility to bring them. So, some some plant seeds, some water, some harvest. So, I think you did your job. Thanks for sharing, Madeline. I think um, it's important that we hear that part of the story, too, because I think it's important for us to recognize that we are responsible for fishing. That's the mandate on our life. Uh, and it reminds me of what I mentioned early in the series a couple Sundays ago is that. Uh, I think the disciples when they responded to Jesus when he said, Have have you caught anything? I think maybe they got sarcastic with him and said, Hey, that's why they call it fishing, not catching. Yeah. We're we're responsible to fish. It's his responsibility to catch. And so I think it's important for us to hear the, the different j- stages in the journey. There are certain people that planted seed, there are other people that watered, and then we get to see the harvest on the end. And I think that's important. But we've got to remember that we have a mandate to fish yeah. and that we have the best story to tell. There's yeah. nothing better. Better than Jesus, and we're seeing the fruits of that right now. That when we accept Jesus, it changes everything. He is the best thing, He's the best story, and we should be telling everybody we can tell about
7: Him. I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise Treasures that they Are never enough Then you came along And put me back together And every desire Is now satisfied Hearing your love There's nothing
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope that as you listen to the fish stories that were told, that perhaps you heard part of your own story. Maybe you're running from God. Maybe you're trying to get away from Him. Perhaps even still dealing with some of the tough consequences of bad decisions. I. I want you to hear that, but I also want you to hear out of the stories that were told today that God's love is not only reckless, it is also relentless. He is chasing you down, trying to catch you, and we want to encourage you to surrender your life to Him. The reason is is there's nothing better than Jesus. He, he makes everything better. He, he Living a life with Him changes everything. So i just want to challenge you today if you don't know christ as your savior would you just take a moment and pray with me today and accept him as the lord and the savior of your life it's so simple i'll lead you in the prayer but pray in your own way jesus i ask you to come into my heart i ask you to become the lord and the savior of my life i i realize that without your help i cannot reach god the father so i ask you to become that go-between, that you would save me from my sins and make all things new. I give you glory for that in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, uh, there's going to be a number that's gonna pop up at the bottom of your screen that will allow you to text the word SAVED. We promise we won't bug you. All we really wanna do is get you connected and get you some materials that will help you in your journey. These materials will help you to know what your next steps are now that you've made that decision. And of course, if you've made that decision, we consider you family. Speaking of family, even though we're not able to meet in the church building right now, we're still family. And so our Passion Church social media team is taking steps every day to minister to every age group, adults, children, and youth. And so on the screen, you will see our social media calendar or schedule, and it shows you all the opportunities you have each day to grow in your walk with Christ, to get your kids involved and your teenagers involved. We encourage you to take advantage of that. Of course, next week is Easter. This will be a unique Easter for sure. I wanna encourage you to join in online, invite your family members and friends to watch as well as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Talk about the perfect theme in this season. The theme of our Easter service is Hope Has a Name. And we have the hope of the world and so we encourage you to share that as we join together online and last but not least we believe that giving is not only commanded by God but it's an act of worship and so on the screen you're gonna see a couple of different ways that you can remain faithful in your giving during the season while we're and unable to join in a building together we can still be faithful in our finances you can give online Uh, the address is there on the screen and brand new for us Text to give there's a number on your screen you can text your dollar amount to that number at any time And those funds will go directly into the ministries that passion church is continuing to do The first time you text there's a small setup process that you will go through and then it's automatic I encourage you to take advantage of this very convenient way to remain faithful so that we can continue to outreach of the church, through the pantry, through helping people during this time of crisis, and through sharing the gospel uh, through the internet and the other various social media avenues that we're taking advantage of. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you have a great day. It's time to go fishing.
1: It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.